Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Tonight we're discussing page 18 of Alien Hunger. This page has one of the most obviously ridiculous things in the whole book on it, but we're going to save it for last. It's the cherry on top. We've been talking since yesterday about the rules of Vampire the Taboo, this thing where like, there's an ethos in the early 90s, we're doing sophisticated role-playing, which means you're not allowed to tell the players shit. You just have to like let them intuit it from your dramaturgy. As a storyteller, you should be able to just, you know, use subtle tools like going boom, 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 boom in the background while they try to talk to, to convey like the mood and the themes and the blah, blah, blah. At the same time, though, that you're trying to avoid saying directly what you want to convey, you're also trying to heavily manipulate the players into having a specific experience, feeling specific things. And those two things are kind of in opposition. So at any given moment, the storyteller, as envisioned by this author, might be maddeningly obscure about what's going on and what the player characters are supposed to do or might be cartoonishly ham-fisted in conveying what everyone is supposed to think and feel. And we actually see both of those things on this page. So let's start with the tight-lipped asshole storyteller. As you'll remember, last time we left our protagonists in the mysterious basement that they had been mysteriously kidnapped to. They checked out a trap door that leads down into that basement, but then when they touched it to think about maybe going up and out of the basement, it was super hot, and they realized there's no way they were going to go up through that trap door and survive if they tried to run through the fire above. Or at least hopefully they realized that, because if they didn't, then they're dead now. Assuming that they survived, they decided not to go through the door. They gotta find some other way out. Quote, Some haste is required in the character's choice of actions, for as the fire continues to burn, the air is sucked out of the basement. While this does not affect the vampires, the humans will rapidly begin to suffocate. Be sure to make the appropriate sound effects to heighten the vampire's alienness. Alright, I don't know about that, but it will certainly heighten the player's sense of your alienness as a storyteller when you tell them, oh, it seems like Mavis and Susie are are having trouble breathing. They might be choking down here. It's like the air is being sucked up into the fire. You have to move quick. And then one of the player characters turns to the other and is like, what are we going to do? There's no way out of here. But while they're trying to have this like serious, tense conversation in the background, you're like, (coughs) that's the sound of a child joke. (coughs) I'm sure this will have an extremely dark and dramatic effect to have the, the storyteller grabbing his throat, looking like he's choking on his fucking pretzels while the players are trying to have an in-character conversation. But anyway, subtlety aside, the players should realize, like, the heat's rising, the air's getting sucked out of the room, we gotta get out of here. Now, I'm gonna take a moment to find out whether you, the listener, are a competent role player. Because the text here specifies that a competent role player should be able to figure out what to do next without any further prompting. So, okay. Remember the situation, you're in a a dark basement, no light, no idea how you got here. There's a fire above you, the room is getting really hot, there's going to be less and less air here, there are other people in here with you, they're trying to put coats on you, they look like s'mores, what do you do? If you're a new role player, you may be puzzled at this point. If you're an experienced role player, then you know the answer is, check to see if one of the walls of the basement is weak and conceals a hidden passage. It's alright if you didn't get it, Uh, if you're a complete newbie, you've never roleplayed before. In that event, the storyteller is allowed to bail you out. Quote, If the players seem to be at a complete loss in the basement, 
they can be guided subtly toward the weak wall. This should only be considered for new players, though. They can be guided, as mentioned above, by commenting on the coolness of the one wall. If they still need a hint, a small hole in the mortar might provide a slight breeze, which indicates a hole on the other side. But don't even consider giving that kind of hint. The fact that one wall is cool, unless you're dealing with rank novices. Here's how it works out in the fiction. Quote, in frustration, Emerson pounded against the wall. A few feet away in the darkness, Marcus nursed his hand, burned on the only door. Emerson struck the wall again, then stopped and cocked his head. He struck the wall, listening closely this time. Yes, he thought. It could be, excitedly he spoke. Everyone listen, I think the wall is hollow. Yes, Emerson, much like your sense of pride in having built a fortune by borrowing a fortune from your rich daddy, this wall is hollow. So the player characters, presuming that they are played by experienced and sophisticated role players, bum rush the one wall that feels cooler than the others and batter it down, at which point they find a passage that leads out and then eventually leads them underneath a manhole from which they can emerge from the street outside. And this is where we get to scene four, the sewers and after. Our protagonists, newly undead, emerge Ninja Turtle-like from the manhole cover onto the street and now they must face their new existence. And this is where the storyteller is directed to really ratchet up the heretofore subtle you are now a goddamn vampire theme. Quote, use the time to add to the mood. If the humans are still with them, continue to comment on their warmth and attractiveness and never stop reminding the vampires of their hunger, comma, their damnable thirst. I, and yes, I was shaking my fist there. How can you not? How could you possibly read that and not shake your fist? This is how I'm going to react when I'm like food horny for a, for a food commercial from now on. Or like you see some nachos in a, in a Super Bowl ad, or like a Burger King commercial hits you just right. I'm going to turn to my partner and say, listen, I'm sorry, we got to make a DoorDash order. This commercial is reminding me of my hunger, comma, my damnable thirst. So other than continuing to comment creepily on the warmth and attractiveness of the humans who are with the group, how do you convey hunger, comma, damnable thirst to the group? Well, here's what you do. First, our heroes emerge from the manhole. They notice that the fire they felt overhead back in the basement is still burning. It's a big like Victorian building and it is fully ablaze. This is obviously the building they were under. Once they are like out of immediate danger, they know where the fire is. This is where you start hammering them with their hunger, comma, their damnable thirst. Quote, if they have not yet fed, then the street presents a plethora of opportunities. A few blocks away, a crowd has gathered to watch the fire. A truly sensitive vampire can almost smell the humanity. If Vince is still with them, he will leave, heading to the fire to check in with the authorities. Now, if you haven't picked it up, Vince, Mavis, and Susie are all still human. They woke up with you in the basement, but they're still human. Only the player characters are vampires. Vince, the cop, leaves at this point to go see what's going on, and that leaves just the vampires there with Mavis, Susie, and a big crowd of people who, if your predatory instincts are truly sensitive, smell like people. You may choose to follow your nose to the smell of people and go eat some people, but if you don't, then, as has too often been my experience of choosing not to go to a crowd of people, the people will come to you. Quote, A nice lady walking her dog will appear and look solicitously at them. She will offer to help, even to the point of inviting them in to make a phone call. This is a, a friendly, delightful fucking world of darkness, isn't it? Here we are four scenes in. You got people offering you coats, people giving you emotionally reassuring feel-ups, everybody working together to break down the fake basement wall, rapid emergency service to a burning building, off-duty cops going to just proactively see what they can do to help out in an emergency situation. 
And here you are at the scene of a fire, just came out of the sewer, standing on the street, and randomly a woman walks by with a little cute dog and is like, oh, you look out of place. You look lost. You look like you just crawled out of the sewer. Can I help you? Would you like to come into my home? My vulnerable home where I keep my property and my loved ones? Would you like to make a call? If the player characters weren't vampires, this would be a heartwarming story of a goth punk world of neighborliness. But alas, the player characters are vampires. And so when a nice woman walks by with a cute dog and you're a vampire, your mind is going to wander. And specifically where your mind wanders is the dumbest thing in this page. Quote, the vampires should start to hallucinate if they are still hungry. Flashing images of the woman as a hot dog at them provides the right surreal feel. Do not relent. Keep hammering the vampires with opportunities to feed and chances to slake their thirst on Mavis or Susie or random passers-by, end quote. So you just got to inundate the player characters. If they don't go for the woman who looks like a walking hot dog walking another smaller walking hot dog on a leash, if they manage to somehow resist the allure of the walking hot dog, bam, hit them with Mavis the s'more. Pass up the s'more? Maybe they don't have quite the sweet tooth for Mavis? You see the young girl, Susie, sitting on the curb her face smudged with ash, playing with her doll. But then, hideously in your mind, she transforms into a bucket of popcorn, marching along the street, holding a baton, leading behind it milk duds, a fountain drink. Your life is over, your death a spectacle of grim misery, and now is the time when you must go out to the lobby to get yourself a snack. Obviously, this is the dumbest thing in this page, but the, the irony that makes it just that little bit more delicious. I was going to say delicious. I admit that I was going to say delicious. It's because I'm thinking about food because I'm I'm thinking about eating popcorn and s'mores and, and a little tiny hot dog on a leash. I'm probably going to go have dinner after this. But what makes it extra delicious is that in the left-hand column, we have like a sophisticated role player won't need direction. They're going to be able to intuit dwarf style that this basement has one weak wall that if they all charge it at once they can knock it down to uncover a secret passage leading to a manhole by which they can escape the fire it's it's child's play don't dare to hint this to the players that would be disrespecting their intelligence you must maintain a, a dark mature sophisticated tone you can't be giving hints to the players about what's happening to rely on their intellect and sensitivity to the scene then on the right hand column it's like, if they don't realize that vampires are hungry for blood, have a nice woman walk up to them and then tell them, all of a sudden, she looks like a hot dog. She's a walking, talking hot dog. It's just like, and especially in the context of this quick start, where like the stated mission is, let us convey to new players what is the tone of Vampire the Masquerade, the feel of Vampire the Masquerade. Good fucking luck, new players. Somewhere between hopelessly, directionlessly asphyxiating in a dark basement and standing in the middle of the street, exsanguinating a cartoon hot dog. Somewhere in there is the mood and tone of Vampire the Masquerade. Figure it out. Anyway, our heroes have now escaped the fire, escaped the sewer. They've emerged into a nocturnal world, now pervaded for them with the aroma of some grim hot dog cart. Where do they go from here? Well, spoiler, the answer is they go home. Somehow still not knowing what the fuck is going on. Join me next time when our protagonists gradually solve the riddle of what burns in the sun, drinks blood, and doesn't have a heartbeat on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. 
I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time. <laughs>